Well, in case you haven't been with us, uh, this is a series that came from you. You asked for it. We, in the spring, do a survey and find out what issues are you facing, and we put a whole series together from four significant issues. You said, these matter today, and we're all dealing with them. And so they all center around how much pressure we're under, and particularly in this time we are. So today, as we look at this topic, and it's one that has been significant in the last few years for all of you, you asked for us to talk about the issue of anxiety, that we want together to learn and find hope in what God might want to say to us about anxiety. Now, I want to begin with a bit of an honest, uh, kind of just a confession and a reality for me that maybe you would share as well. It was some years ago uh, in my earlier adult life when I was facing some things that seemed to be more difficult and more difficult, and finally I went to a counselor to get some support and help. And when I began to talk, this, this counselor really helped me work through some issues, which is a wonderful thing that counseling brings to many of us and a great support. But the time I was shocked was when I got uh, the insurance response and I found out they had diagnosed me with anxiety. I was like, no, I came to you because people are annoying me and this is difficult. I don't have anxiety. Like, I didn't even want to admit it. I was frustrated that the person gave me that. I began to find out as we talked more that, oh, I do have anxiety. I just wouldn't have called it anxiety. So I want to even open up for a minute before we get into what Scripture says and thoughts about it. Maybe you're not even sure what this is, and maybe you're thinking this is great for other people. But so here are some things just to be aware of that see if you fit any of these. So we know with anxiety, for example, there are very simple symptoms that often occur in individuals or patterns that happen when we enter into a time of anxiety. One of them, for many people, is you begin to have these thoughts that you can't get rid of. They spin. I call it ruminating. Basically, what happens is we have a problem. We can't stop thinking about it, and we think if we think about it more, maybe that may get it better. It's called ruminating. I do this lots. I'm really gifted at it. If you need help, let me know. Uh, Another thing that often happens, a physical symptom, is that we literally will feel our heart rate go up. We can feel our body say, oh, this is more stressful. And a third, very simply, is people commonly even just get almost a tightness in their stomach or stomach aches. So first thing is just become aware. Maybe you're dealing with some of those things. You go, I never would have called it this. But let me take it another level. The places that we commonly won't think about but go, oh, this is anxiety. So have you ever had a situation where the people around you are really causing you a lot of stress and really bothering you? And you're like, I'm ready to blame them. If they just weren't this way, it would get better. And the way we handle it is we talk about it. We talk to them about it. We talk to other people about it. We just figure if we work on this thing, if we control our environment and the circumstances, if they only would listen to me, my stress would go down. That is anxiety. We get angry at those around us. We get angry at our circumstances. That is often anxiety. I want you to understand that anxiety shows itself in lots of ways. We talk about it tons, we wanna to control the environment, we have lots of emotions and we blame, very likely that could be anxiety. So I just wanna expand, do we realize what this really is we're looking at? And in case you don't know, this is everywhere and it's growing dramatically. We keep close connections to many uh, of the agencies and services from counseling to mental health help all over and find this is growing in epidemic proportions. In fact, not only did you ask about anxiety today, next week we're gonna look more broadly at mental health and mental illness because that is becoming more difficult under pressure for many of us, both in what we experience and how we want to engage with others. In fact, one of the things that's probably been most disheartening to me that I hear over and over again is this is showing up in our kids and teenagers in dramatically increasing portions. 
that it's just on the rise. This anxiety is everywhere, and we're dealing with it in every way. Now, before we look at what Scripture says, I want to give you kind of a picture that hopefully will be helpful to you to look at the things we can do about this, the circumstances that might be adding to it. And so I'm going to go to the wonderful philosopher Joey from Friends to help us with this. If you weren't a fan of Friends, I just don't care because I was. And I, I do care, but something's wrong with you. See, I'm anxious already. You don't like it. This is a particular episode when uh, Chandler, who's another character in here, uh, hides one of Joey's pieces of clothing. So Joey comes in the room and he literally has everything on that Chandler owns. And he has one statement, could I be wearing any more clothes? He's like clothed himself with everything he possibly could. You say, well, what does that have to do with anxiety? I think it's an image and a metaphor that what we would say today is, could I be wearing any more stress? That quite honestly... We are clothed with this in every way you can imagine right now. It's all over us, and so it's revealing those things we're already prone to, but dramatically increasing the problem. We are wearing stress like too many clothes everywhere. And in case you don't know, the kinds of things that normally facilitate anxiety are things that we would go, oh, these are, did you know that you get anxiety when you're a student? You get that from things at school. Now, stress can be okay, but when it's too much, that's what produces anxiety. Too little, by the way, produces anxiety too. We're not meant to just sit around. So think of our students this last year. All of a sudden they went from being in a school all the time to being home with their parents all the time or someone else and going from school teaching to being online or having to wear a mask or wondering who's sick. And how, Do you understand how the stress went up for people in school? And how about our work environments? Did our stress go up in our work environments? You, best, you bet it did. I mean, it's gone up dramatically for us. Working at home, working in different settings. Many of us, I, I have heard more people say, I have more time with my family than I was ever meant to have. Don't even know how to manage that because we're even sharing rooms in what we do and how we do. There's stress that people typically have like finances. Do you know most businesses before this happened were up and to the right. We thought that's how everything went. And all of a sudden there's new stresses and those are adding to us. Oh, and by the way, did you know that a global crisis adds stress and anxiety? No? It's been fine for you? I mean, come on. Does not that not add? The political climate, has that not added? Are you getting a picture that we have a lot of things we've been putting on? Could I be wearing any more stress? Now, that's just the things that we can't change. What I want to do, though, is pause for a minute and have you contemplate with me things that we do that add to it right now. Before we even look at what I think Jesus would want to say to us, I want us to look at just how much we're wearing that we can't even hear what Jesus wants to say to us. So I want you to consider it for a minute. When we got into COVID, many of us, our lives slowed down and we said, oh, what a break. But then we, it's, as we're coming out, we went right back to our overscheduled, overburdened, overly busy lives. We basically are accessible to anyone, anywhere, anytime. Isn't that true? I mean, think about it. I wonder how many of you are like Pavlov's dog. If right now you got a little vibration or a beep on your phone and you knew it was work, you would look and you can't wait to look. You've got to look now. I don't know what I'm going to do. I need to be available for this because we are constantly available for anyone, anywhere, anytime. True? True as adults. Isn't that true? And in case you don't know, the same thing is true of technology. I mean, can we admit that it is very hard for us to not be on multiple devices at multiple times? 
everywhere we go. Right now, you're thinking, this dude is going to talk for more than four minutes. I got a four-minute window. It's about all I got. Give me a meme and let me move on because this is not entertaining enough or moving enough. Would you move around the stage? Would you show a video? Do something to keep me engaged. Because in case you don't know, in our multitasking world, in our technological world, we have lost the ability to focus. You do realize this, don't you? I had a great example of that this week. I'm talking literally to two staff about this Sunday. We're talking about it. One of them is working on fixing something while they're looking down saying, oh no, I'm listening. And the other one is on their computer doing something to the point where they said, hey, could you just look at me? And this is what they did. They moved their forehead up but kept their eyes down. I said, oh, I'm so glad I have your forehead's attention. Could I have the rest of you for a while? And I was critical of them, but I thought, I do the very same thing, don't I? Do you realize we're putting on more than we're able to handle? Like, it's just everywhere, all the time, in every way. And make no mistake, it's affecting all of us in every era and generation. Think of the young teenage girl who now goes on social media regularly, and before she already had body image issues because everything she saw was telling her she's supposed to be perfect and wonderful and beautiful and everyone should love her, and then she's now getting it every moment of every day because every time she sees something, there's more images in front of her and more messages in front of her and more. Do you think that's increasing what she's putting on? You bet it is. And our young teen boys, do you think they're not also evaluating everything that goes on? Who likes, who doesn't, what they're in, what they're out of? It used to be you didn't know what was going on. You now know everything and you suddenly, constantly feel like you can't do anything well enough. And boy, the research just on vacations in America are fascinating as we compare to the rest of the world. We do not know how to unplug because what do we do? Hey, I'm available. You know what? Yeah, I'll be down in Florida, but just give me a call if you need it. Have you ever gotten a message or a call, even if you're just off during the day and seen what it does to your disposition? I have wrecked many a time with the people around me because like, I was with you, I'm now gone, and I need to process through that. And by the way, I go back to the fact that I think through things incessantly. So now I'm going to ruminate about it as long as I can, and it's never going to get better, but if I think about it enough, maybe it will. No, you don't do that? We all do it. And I want you to get a picture here before we even talk about pursuing Jesus. What he wants to give us is, can we be honest that you and I can't even put on more stress? Could I be wearing any more? And I want to say it this way before we move into the scriptures. You and I have more available to us than we can actually manage or do. You know that's unusual to our time in history, don't you? Like the amount of reading you have available to you, even just reading one newspaper, it was said, of the New York Times, let's say, level, that's all the availability someone have in the reading in their whole year or life. Think of all the things you put before yourself. How many of you read a part of an article and don't even keep going because you just take it too long? Somebody give me the bullet point. How many different things have you started to do and move on to because there's just too much around? And yet we have no awareness that we can't manage this. And this is my question to you. Hey, where's a guide to help us decide? Where in the world, before we even look at the anxieties we have and say, well, I just need this or I just need that step, do we go, we don't even know that we're inundated and have no way to manage all that we have. Can we agree that's true? Can we agree that we've leveraged all these things and we're so fearful of not being overly stimulated that we're, we, we actually perceive it as boring if there's not enough coming at us anymore. I mean, if you were honest, would you go, I don't even watch one show at a time anymore. I watch while I 
scroll through social media. I watch part of an episode, if it gets too boring, I move on to that one. I, and, and I find it ironic. I mean, we have Netflix and Amazon Prime, a few other things. Do you know how long it takes me to figure out what to watch? I mean, you just go through, it's like, oh my goodness, I gotta, we've got to agree on this. We need to have a vote and a poll before we get to it. And then I've got so much stuff, I can't find anything I actually like. I mean, isn't that just sad? You're thinking, we're so much better than you. What is wrong with you, dude? But I know I'm not alone in this, that we are overstimulated, oversaturated, and so busy that we fear the very antidote Jesus wants to give us. It frightens us. So for me not to start there and then go, oh, I'm going to tell you you need Jesus. That's all. thanks so much. Well, if Jesus comes in a meme and can give it to me in an entertaining way in a video that's two minutes or less and really poignant, so I go, yeah, great, let's move on. I don't want it. Like, I want us to realize before we talk about these inner things, which we'll do more next week when we look at mental health overall, can we recognize that the climate, the culture, the way we live, could we be wearing any more stress? And could we listen a little differently at Jesus' invitation today to find him in the midst of it? That's my my invitation. In sense, what I'm going to ask you to do as we look through the scripture, very simply, I'm going to invite you to consider what you might start taking off because there will be an invitation to take off the things you can that you're carrying too much of and really ask him to then clothe you, not even clothe yourselves. And you're going to see how that plays out in this passage. So we're going to look at a teaching Jesus gives. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. This is in chapter 6. It's, it's three chapters long. I had you read, actually, the first one the first week after the message, which, again, is about a page. And the same teaching he gives in Matthew, he gives in Luke. There are four accounts of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Each one's organized differently and, and has different ways of drawing things out. So the same story is told with a little different beginning from both stories before it gets to this one, this particular teaching. And I simply want you to get this so we have context for it. Right before this in Matthew's account, Jesus says these words about where your treasure is. He says basically where your treasure is, your heart will be. And he tells us not to put your treasure in things that really won't last And he says, put them in heaven, which we often think of as he means live for what's after this life. That's not what he means by this. To put your treasures in heaven, it means to bring the very kingdom of God and treasure those things that he brings now and forever. I just want to be clear. It's not just living the long look. It's living differently. So he's giving this challenge. Now, in Luke's account, he actually tells a story about a person who has stuff and gets more stuff and then has to build bigger stuff to hold the stuff he has. At that time, it's barns and agriculture. For us, it might be, hey, you get a house, and I need a bigger one, I need more, and I need to keep storing it. And then he warns him, listen, you have all this stuff, and then all of a sudden, you could lose your life, and you've been living for the wrong things, and you don't even know it. See, my concern beyond wealth, although that is a part of what's getting at here, is that we are so overburdened and we don't even know it that something else is driving how busy and overtaxed and overstimulated and unable to focus. So just for a minute, consider with me, if, there, if we had an enemy, if we really believe there is a devil and demons, which we do, and he's about to thwart us, Wouldn't a great way to be just keep us so busy that we don't have time or energy to discover who God is and how he loves us? 
Is it possible this oversaturation and overburden and overstimulation is a great way to keep us paralyzed from actually receiving the one thing we need that would get us out of the mess we're in? Let me take you to Jesus' words. This is what he says in Matthew 6. Hey, I tell you this, and he's already been talking about what I just said with the, the, where treasures are. He says, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Now, one of the concerns I have, and this has been done in the church in really, I think, unhelpful ways, so do not worry is an imperative. It means it's a command or a, a highly charged do that. Don't worry. And we tend to read the imperatives of Jesus through a lens of accomplishment and performance. In other words, if Jesus says don't do it, it must be wrong to do it. And so we just need to stop. Now, I don't know if you've ever been anxious, but has anyone ever told you, hey, you shouldn't be anxious. Stop, stop being anxious. Oh, I never thought of that before. All the things I do... Nobody ever told it to me that way. I, I can't believe it. I just shouldn't be anxious. Oh, it's gone. Thank you. I want to be really clear. That is not what Jesus is saying. Oh, you, you just shouldn't be anxious. Just stop being anxious. Hey, you, you uh, followers of me, you disciples, uh, don't, don't do that anymore. Just, just stop it. As if to say we somehow think that's going to make it better. I want you to hear it through a lens of relationship. You know, when my kids are struggling and I talk to them, and I know this especially in their adult lives, not that they would hear what I said and do it anyway, but I'm crying out to them, hey, this would help. Would you just not do that? Would you just let go of this? Jesus is saying this out of relationship. I don't want you to worry. I don't want you to carry this all the time. You're living and you don't even realize it. And I want you to hear, because this is a theme through all this passage, isn't life more? Isn't the body more? He's saying to us, I have more for you I'm not telling you not to worry because your mind's in the wrong place. I'm telling you not to worry because there's something better and you're so preoccupied, you don't even see it. I mean, if you get nothing else from what I'm saying today, I want you to know that God of the universe loves you and deeply wants to help you and be with you in your life. Now, make no mistake, this is hard for us. I had just watched a news report on the, some of the social media issues, and this was particular to Instagram, and it was about students and how many of them are dealing much more with the anxiety and depression because the constant barrage of messaging they're getting that tells them you should worry about what you eat and drink. You should worry about what you do. You should worry about your friends. You should worry about how you're received. You should worry about it's not good enough. It's not there. I mean, you realize that's the messaging we get everywhere? And Jesus is saying, wait, wait, I want you to come back. There's something so much better than this. I have something so much more for you than this worry you're living in. And then he gives a picture of it. Look at the birds in the air. Do they not sow or reap or store away in the barns? They don't do that. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not worth much more? Are you not more valuable than they are? Now, there are two really great messages in this. One is he says, look at the birds. To look in the Greek means to contemplate, consider, and focus on. When's the last time you just sat and allowed your posture of looking at the creation around you to help reveal who God is? I mean, can we agree you're probably more up to Google birds than you are to actually look at them? Do you know how many people go and bird watching? You're thinking, I will not bird watch unless I have my phone. And if the Wi-Fi is not there, I can't get my data, forget it, give it up. 
I mean, just the idea of slowing down and contemplating is where Jesus begins. And he's saying, if you really look, by the way, in case you didn't see it, you see again that we're more valuable than all of his creation? That he looks at you and goes, oh, if you looked around and you could really see how much the Father cares for all that's going on, would you not want that from him? And would you not realize how much more he cherishes you than what's going on? Could it be part of our anxiety struggle is we are so busy putting on stress, we don't even know how to hear or see what he wants to say to us and how much he loves us. And then he continues with his wisdom. Hey, can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? Don't they, they don't even labor or spin. In other words, they're not even causing it. I love this statement. Do you, do you ever add any time to your life by worry? I mean... Oh my goodness, rumination king. Again, a great insight. Hey, you know, it's not really getting you anything, but it doesn't stop me from doing it. But what a great wisdom. Hey, you're, you're caught in this anxiety loop. You're so busy and preoccupied. Man, it, it doesn't do anything to help you. And again, I go to how we typically read these passages. Oh, Jesus said we shouldn't uh, be contemplating that. We're not helping. Oh, I guess I won't do it anymore. But can we agree we find all sorts of ways to do it? Can we agree that we go online and we see what someone wrote? Oh, I can't believe you wrote that. I'm so mad that you wrote that. I'm, I'm, I'm going to fix that. I'm going to write it back. Who liked it? I don't even like them anymore. Oh, I'm mad about that. Oh, I'm going to keep thinking about that and get more mad about it. Maybe that'll help. I'll post something to get back. I'm going to get that. There. No, they're out of here. I'm done with that one. There's, oh, I can't even. Maybe I'll write a private message to someone else and tell them about it. That's going to help. If we both get mad together, that's going to make it better. Or maybe I'm going to go to work and go, oh my goodness, things are not going the way they should at work. I'm the boss. You know what? If that person just did a better, I'm going to blame the people around me and I'm going to monitor everything they do and I'm going to go after it. If I do that enough, maybe that'll make it better. We blame and we get angry when we don't have control. Could it be it's something in us, not something outside of us? Who can add anything to their life by all the worry we do? By the way, the passage we looked at the first week was don't you know, basically search my heart and see if there's any offensive way of me. He talks about his anxious thoughts. It's really a beautiful image in the Psalms that when we are anxious in our thinking, it can lead to offensive action. It doesn't mean anxiety is sinful. It means that the way we respond to it can be. And a little bit, Jesus is getting into the same thing. I want you to notice he's telling you that none of these things that we should see accomplish it. They're taken care of. It's not actually the flowers that accomplish growing. God does that. They don't labor or spend. God is the one that does this. And then he goes another step. Hey, even Solomon, who was the most wealthy, most powerful person in the ancient world, in all of his splendor, was dressed like one of these. <laughs> Tell me, do you and I not worry about all the stuff we have and all the things we do? And Jesus is going, listen, the best stuff. I, I got news for you. I don't think any of us will accomplish what Solomon did. And even in that, that's not as amazing as what God does to make a lily or a flower or a bird be taken care of. Isn't that amazing? He's saying there's something more God has for you. He said, that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is even here and gone and thrown into the fire. Will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Don't worry saying, what shall I eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? 
I think when we read this, we read it through a very negative lens of God. Oh, he told us not to worry. I'm sinning when I worry. Oh, and he told us that we have too little faith. I just got to have more faith. Neither of which come by themselves, you do realize. Oh, I stopped worrying and now suddenly I grunted some more faith out. I just thought a little harder and now I got it. He's saying it as a deep, passionate encouragement. Man, I know you're struggling and you don't have faith. I want you to look around you and realize how much more I care about you than everything you're worried about. I'm here. I'm with you. I'm for you. And you don't even see it. And how much more, how odd it is that you and I live in the wealthiest time in history, in the wealthiest area of history, with the most, by the way, the most beneficial things that keep us from having to do things. I mean, oh my goodness, how many of you, you you're frustrated if you actually have to go to a store because Amazon should be delivering it quickly. And then we're mad if it didn't show up on time. That they had prime shipping, it's not here tomorrow. I can't believe it's not here tomorrow. Why do I have to wait another day? I don't know because life doesn't work as fast as you think it should. You do realize it's wiring us worse, don't you? We're so busy that we think life needs to keep up with us. And we've never realized we were not made to manage or do all this. And we don't even have a guide to help us provide. But we do. That's what Jesus is saying, man, you are so fast and so busy and so worried, but God has so much more for you than this. How much more does he want to clothe you? And then he reminds them, listen, pagans run after these things, but the Father knows that you need them. Let's just agree, we live more like the world than we do like his followers. There's not much difference in how we do this. If we don't admit it, we can't change it. But then he says these beautiful words, seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and these other things are added to you. He's really saying seek him first. When we talk about the kingdom, we tend to read it again through this lens of I need to do more and do better seeking the kingdom. It's another achievement. Seeking the kingdom is simply seeking the way he lives and who he is and how he lives. And by the way, a side note in this, I don't think I told you this part from earlier, the two passages that this is in, before it talks about this selfishness, it calls it a single eye, the idea that we're only focused on ourselves. And the, the single eye, the way God intends it, is for us to be generous and helpful to others. And the simple idea is the more focused we are on us, the more stingy we become. So guess what? When we get more focused and worry in our own lives and preoccupied, we just think more and more about who? Me, me, me. And we ruminate and we fixate and we try to control. And the more we do, the less it gives. And the crazy part is the more we let go and the more we seek to help others, the more it calms. It's crazy. It's backwards, isn't it? But it is true. That's what Jesus is telling us. Now, before we get to the, really the final picture of this, of relationship with him, I want us to be honest about our own stress. I want you to go home and think, could I be wearing any more stress? And I want you to consider it in these three facets. The first is that we are always available to work, to technology, and to our schedules. Anyone, anywhere, anytime. It simply means this, that we don't know how to draw limits or lines. And it adds to our anxiety because we carry the stress of every minute, of every day, of everything we have to do. And can we be honest, that's no way to live? That even beginning to take some steps to draw limits and boundaries and live in healthy manners. I know for me, I got to a place where 
I started having to shut my email off on my phone in the evenings and just set my phone down often more too because it just was a, it was an addiction that I just, oh, there's a notification, oh, I need to, ch- oh, I need to check this, oh, I need to, do-. and I still can go back and forth to this. If you don't think that that's a problem for you, <laughs> lose your phone for 10 minutes and see how nervous you are. I mean, just imagine going, I, I'm not allowed to touch my phone for how long? What? It's not by my side. I don't know where it is. What will I do? I'm not responding to a problem. I need to fix that right now. Really? I didn't know God made you to be Jesus, to fix everything, everywhere, all the time. Can we agree? This is one of our problems. We're constantly available to everything. And here's the second. We become addicted to it. <laughs> the stimulus, the multitasking, the multi-screened life. It is hard for us to even consider that we wouldn't need all of this with us. And when there's an addiction, guess what? You need help. You can't do it alone. What if in our homes we start saying, hey, let's work together on this. I always love it as parents because what do we do with our kids? You kids, you're on those devices all the time. I think you're going to have a back issue because your head's like this all the time. You're definitely going to have eye problems sooner or later. I know it's going to happen. And we say it like this. You kids are on your phone way too much. You're on that technology too much. Why don't you just start asking the Lord to bring to mind where you are so satiated and addicted? When's the last time you watched something and weren't doing two other things at the same time? When's the last time you had a conversation and you weren't preoccupied with what's next or what else might be coming in? When's the last time you sat and didn't do anything? This brings me to the final one, which is just this. We actually think slowing down is going to wreck our lives. And, and I think more than anything, we're scared to death we're going to get bored. Oh, no. You're kidding me. You want me not to use all this stuff? What am I going to do for a day? I don't know. Live? Did you realize we've gotten so needing of stimulation and stimulus that we don't know how to be present? Could it not be clothing ourselves with those things is making it much harder to even find God in helping us through this anxiety? I, mean, I want to be really clear. I struggle with this too. It's not like I'm home and we, uh, we got rid of all of our technology and I don't ever, I mean, I, I'm with you. But I'm very aware that if I'm not working at ways to make changes, nobody is here to help us. And by the way, everything that we're given is to help us do the opposite. It's to reinforce it. We can do it as bosses. We can do it as employees. We can do it as friends. Have you ever been irritated because you texted someone and they didn't respond within 10 minutes? Do you not like me anymore? Are you ghosting me? Why, don't you? I'm, I texted you. Why am I I'm not hearing back? Why aren't you by your phone? Why am I not your first priority? Who's with you? Who matters more than me right now? You're quiet. I know it means it's true for all of us. Let's be honest. We're living with these overburdened lives. And then we're like, Jesus, why are you not taking my stress away? Where is he? He's right here, but you haven't, all you're getting is, he's only getting your forehead. He never got the rest of you. I turned my forehead towards heaven. Uh, why am I not getting a meme from Jesus so I know what to do? This is taking too long. Why is God not showing up when I need him? Uh, it sounds silly, but you realize this is a longer journey. It's not a short one. These words of Jesus, I think, are so powerful to us right now. It's in Matthew 11. He says, come to me, all you are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Come to me, 
I'll give you rest. I have to give it to you. You're not going to find this on your own. And then he even adds to it. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. I'm gentle and humble in heart. You'll find rest for your very souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Tell me that's not an amazing invitation. But tell me how hard it is to discover that when we're just carrying constant stress and oversaturation with all that we do and are. Because we do not know how to slow down to even receive. Because we're too busy wearing too many clothes of stress. See, Jesus is for you. I mean, the God of the universe didn't just come. He came to bring forgiveness. He came to do that, to die for our sins, to rise again, but then to give us his spirit so we'd have a new life. In other words, he came not just to forgive, but to give life to you, a life that is meaningful and purposeful and calming and restful. And we've gotten into so much noise, we don't even know where to find it or how to find it. So to get there, it's very simply, you let go of your overburdened, overstimulated, overscheduled, overdone chaos, and you find rest in him. Now here's the thing before I pray for us with this. At the end of this section, Jesus says, hey, don't worry about tomorrow. It's got enough trouble of its own. Just deal with today. And what he's saying is it's a very short ask we make. We're not, we think Jesus needs to fix it. He needs to do it quickly and it needs to be holistic. It all needs to get better. And what he's saying is, guess what? Just deal with what you need right now. The rabbis used to say in the culture Jesus would have grown up with that worry is looking for tomorrow's green pastures today. In other words, God wants to meet you right now today in this and help you keep building in tomorrow for that not to have a one quick fix that's going to make it all better. So here's what I want to do. I just want to pray for us today. I want you to close your eyes and maybe even consider with the Lord, what are those stresses I'm adding on to? And in the quiet, ask him, will you help me start taking these off? Just today, would you help me? Help me slow down today. Help me not carry all I'm carrying today. Help me not drive into the overstimulated life. And then as you ask, I pray, Lord, that you would pour out your presence on each one among us. God, that they would sense your call and your invitation to find rest in you. You say you clothe us, so Lord, clothe each one with a piece of, a sense of calm and of peace. Just even a window, God, into how you can alleviate and bring hope out of anxiety and stress. Minister by the power of your spirit to give kindness to them of your simple carrying of burdens and your simple way that you give peace in storms. And then Lord, would you continue that on beyond this moment to them walking in new ways through this day. And when they fail, would you remind them you're with them and then keep moving. But would your spirit empower us to live differently? And Lord, finally, I pray for those who are searching for you. God, I pray that they would hear the very call of the God of the universe and I love you. I'm with you and I'm for you. And may they first be discovering how you forgive and how you love and move towards that. God, would you minister to us and through us in your name, amen.